You're listening to the Tea Box Tales podcast. Hello, I'm your host Brooke Bond, and here we are with the second episode of Tea Box Tales, the podcast where you can sit with a nice cup of tea and listen to a short story written and read by yours truly. Except it's episode two, we're already breaking from the formula. Today, you're going to listen to some of my poetry. No, 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 don't run away, don't run away. Yes, I can understand and predict your reaction. There is a sort of unique pain associated with being forced to listen to other people's poetry. But as you may or may not know, I am a creative writing student and uh, I am not good at poetry. But during the, the course of my degree, I, I will be taking poetry classes as, as a requirement and I need to build up this skill. Uh, I've chosen some poems I've written in class that aren't particularly terrible. So I'm hoping you can get at least some enjoyment out of this episode of Tea Box Tales. We will be reading four different poems today. This first poem was written for an exercise where we had to do research into a species of plant. Um, I chose El Atropa Belladonna, or the Deadly Nightshade. Um, in class we actually wrote haikus, but uh, that, that mine are god-awful, so I have written a poem about poisoning people. Um, yes, this poem is about poisoning people, and do not try this at home, children. The tomato and the aubergine are lovely in their way, but they have a little secret that they just forgot to say. In the corner of the garden, where most men cannot see, is their cruel and ugly sister, the hateful little me. My fruit looks oh so lovely, shiny and delicious, but just a single bite will make you get suspicious. Pretty soon I'll be your doom when your heart begins to die, lying deep within the garden, my leaves quite hard to spy. The craftiest of witches have always been my friends, and none of us will hesitate to send mortals to their ends. I'm prettier than Gaia, but just as dark as Nyx, the undisputed evil queen in my realm of stones and sticks. So if there's a certain person you think really needs to pay, why not sneak me in their fruit bowl and send them on their way? I am the deadly nightshade, and I just wanted to say, my potent poison's power might just end the life today. The second poem we're reading today is called Dylan's Lockdown. It is in response to current events and it is a piece of free verse. Um, basically, given the world situation right now, I have spent the entire term of university at home. I have spent four days on campus this, this whole term. But anyway, nobody is more frustrated in this current situation than our pets because they don't really know what's going on, do they? So I wrote a poem from the point of view of my cat, Dylan, who is quite a sneaky young little cat and he, he doesn't like being around his family 24-7. He misses the ability to sneak and scheme in total privacy. So I wrote a poem that captures that. Whenever I pitter-patter my paws across the floor, one of them is always there to get in my way. They pick me up in their big, dumb, stupid arms and stop me from eating from the bin. Why can't I have those chicken bones if they don't want them? They are supposed to go to work or school, one of those nice away places that's out of my territory, so I can do all of my sneakings without being disturbed. But they're home. All of them. It's been almost a year and they haven't left. Why won't they just go? The human may cook the foods. The human may clean the messes. The human may even pay the bills. But cat is boss. Everybody knows this. And I want them to leave! 
This next uh, poem is actually sort of a monologue. It was written in a class where we had to bring in a favourite picture to, to respond to in writing. I chose a painting called A Cat in Gothic Style by Louis Wayne. Um, Louis Wayne was an excellent artist who suffered from mental illness and he, he drew cats and his style uh, developed from kind of cartoony to very, very ab stunning abstract drawings of cats. And this one in particular is very sort of graceful and celestial, so I, I envisioned this character of the great night cat. I am the great night cat. My fur is white lace and my eyes are amber moons. My smile is a broad constellation like a string of shining pearls and my whiskers are the vapour trails of low-flying planes. The night sky is a terrific place to be. I can look down all the little matchbox houses and think of all the people who are sleeping in their beds. But there is one man I know who isn't asleep. He is unwell, and has been unwell for quite some time. He is so unwell, in fact, that they took him away from his home to a place where he can get better. But I think he's only getting worse. He's one of the lucky few I'll show myself to. He stares up into the night sky and sees me in all my glory. Tonight, I peer through his window and into his room. He has a canvas on an easel, and I watch as he paints a Prussian blue sky in glossy oil paint. He fumbles for a smaller brush for a moment marking the page with two amber circles. I purr as he starts to make fine lines of white gouache with a horsehair detail brush. It's me! He's painting me! He continues tracing my white lace fur until dawn breaks, because when dawn breaks I must go. But I'll be back. I am the great night cat, and I am persistent. The fourth and final poem I will be reading today is called The Donkey in the Lion Costume, and it's actually the most recent piece of poetry I've written. Um, by that you'd think it's it's the most, the best, the, the most recent reflection of my skills, but um, no. <laughs> this was for a final project for one of my modules, where I had to choose a, a poet, a, a ghost companion, to uh, study the style of and then write a poem in their style. Um, I chose Roald Dahl because I loved Roald Dahl as a small child. I've recently found out that he is a, a bit of a piece of work, but never study your idols up close. Um, but he has a very replicable style, his sort of moralistic style with with a lot of absurd elements and then a kind of simple AABB rhyme, rhyme scheme. So uh, his, his poems are also based on mythology and folklore quite a lot. So I cho chose a one of Aesop's fables called The Ass and the Lion Skin and wrote a Roald Dahl inspired poem called The Donkey in the Lion Costume. Of all the furred and feathered beasts, do you know which one is liked the least? He's greedy, stubborn, rude and crass, a dirty beast known as the ass, though sometimes when he's feeling wonky, he does prefer to go by donkey. He didn't care for disrespect, he found it closer to neglect. He said, I'm handsome, strong and tall, why am I the most wretched beast of all? Donkey got out his computer and bought something to make him cuter, a suit and tie of lion skin to hide his ugly body in. It came next week inside a box, delivered by wise Mr. Fox. Online shopping? Foxy asked, the big old hairy hoofed outcast. What a silly load of tosh, you equine fool who thinks he's posh. You'll see, Fox, Donkey gasped. I'll look so smart beneath this mask. With that, Foxy walked away. He'd laughed quite enough that day. The box opened and there within was Donkey's suit of lion skin. Then the donkey put it on, eager to begin his con. First came the lovely golden vest. That part surely was the best. 
donkey looked so trim and svelte underneath a lion's pelt. Then came a hat made of the mane, which made old donkey look her bane. The tie was made of lion's tail, which donkey knew would never fail. To make him look smart and dashing, the ensemble really was quite smashing. Then there was a final touch, which could have been a little much. A trendy set of fluffy mittens made out of the lion's kittens. Now wearing his majestic gown, Donkey strode out into town. Aha, he called, now it's fair, perhaps I'll get the lion's share. First he saw Miss Henny Penny and her brother Rooster Lenny. They ran a stall while they sold sweets on the corner of the street. It's a lion, Penny cried, do we have our best supplied? For chickens know the finest things to make a dish fit for a king. Tis I, a lion, Donkey said the regal mane upon his head, and I will not even think to budge until I've got my bag of fudge. At once, my lord, Penny squeaked, thinking her career had peaked. It's an honour to serve fudge, fit to feed his royal pudge. For most men, I charge 20p, but for a king, it must be free. Rooster Lenny bagged the goods for the ass in a royal hood. Without a care for those he'd conned, the cheeky donkey did abscond, with fudge of the finest kind from the birds that he'd robbed blind. Next he went for Mrs Groat, a lovely kindly nanny goat. The Mrs Groat was getting old, she sold fine cheeses free of mould. Hello, sweetie, the old dear said, pointing up to donkey's head. My, what do you call that? It makes you look just like a cat. To Donkey this was no surprise, for Mrs Groat had poorly eyes. I'm a lion, the ass complained. Can't you see my royal mane? I want my belly full of cheese. Could you go and get some, please? Yes, sir, the old goat bleated. Without a clue, she'd soon be cheated. Out of all her lovely cheeses, it's not just her that Feth displeases. Goats worked hard to make their stock, with milk from the entire flock. But Mrs. Grope just loved to flatter, presenting the entire platter. For you, your highness, she announced, and then the donkey swiftly pounced. He ate it all in one big bite, copying a lion's might. Then the donkey rudely burped, without a care that he'd usurped. Mrs. Grote's business needs, she had ten grandkids to feed. How would she ever feed her flock? Now donkey gobbled all the stock. My, my, she said, now that's a hit. I thought you'd take a little bit. But Donkey craved a lion's feast. He had no care for who he fleeced. Goodbye, he said, running away. I'll come again another day. He laughed with glee and licked his chops. Perhaps I'll go to Mr Fox. I do not like that old vulpine. I'll make him feel so asinine. He stalked right up to Fox's house. His hoofbeats quiet as a mouse. But as the fox opened the door, Donkey gave a lion's roar. But Foxy really wasn't stressed, because the man was truly blessed to see through almost any trick, especially from those as thick as Mr Donkey's addled mind, and Fox could see what laid behind. That silly golden lion frock was nothing more than equine stock. Hello, Donkey, Foxy laughed, pulling off his lion scarf. You think you'd fool me dressed like that? I know full well you're not a cat. Drat and blast it, Donkey cursed. Foxy really was the worst. How did you see through my disguise? It worked so well on other eyes. Mr. Donkey, can't you see? You'll never get a thing past me. I noticed when I heard you neighing. A true lion never stoops to braying. Now, I hope all of you know that snazzy dress might hide a schmo. Any fool can wear a suit and learn to walk the walk to boot. But listen close to what they're saying. And if you hear a donkey's braying, that's nothing but a common crook who countless others have mistook. 
for a smart, upstanding guy when they can't spot his silly lie. He'll take all of your stuff away if you're not smart enough to say, Leave you liar, you're so crass. Don't fall for such a common ass. So that's the end of this episode of T-Box Tales. I've been your host, Brooke Bond, and you might want to take stock of your brain cells because my, my poems may have caused a few to expire. Um, my apologies. Now, uh, we've made it to episode two. Any of you who, who know me personally and know my, my work, for, for me to reach episode two of anything it is quite good. Um, I, I just hope this doesn't go belly up, by like most things do, before next episode. I hope to see you again. I've been your host, Brooke Bond. Uh, I am on Twitter, Kofi, and, web- and my website, uh, brookebondtbox.com, where you could find these poems and short stories. Uh, see you again soon.